guest this week uh, is, as, as we often do on the show, we love iodine recordings. We love bringing on their artists. And uh, when the opportunity presented itself to talk to this band, I said, absolutely. Their new record, Local Support, is available now. Everybody, please welcome Sal Ellington to the podcast. Sal, welcome to Why Do We Ever Meet? Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, so you and I were just chatting a little bit uh, uh, about the hives uh, because you have a hive sweatshirt on and uh, I am I am uh, just uh, glowing and vibrating with jealousy that you saw them. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I want to go right into talking about this because I've read so much press around local support and I see a lot of comparisons to I, I, you see like skate punk, melodic punk, dot, 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 dot. I hear so many other facets to you guys that I think I'm reading this going, how is this getting missed? Like I hear power pop. I hear just just straight good melodic rock and roll. I hear I hear I hear super melodic post hardcore. Of course, there's punk rock in it. But like by and large, I see I when I mention Rebuilder, I'm like, that's a good ass rock and roll band. So I'm going to let you kind of set the record straight on all of the different. No, I, mean, I, I think you hit it like, you know, like I, I. I think of us more as a rock and roll band. You know, I think that the circles that we are in and where we, it's a lot more punk rock. We play with punk rock bands, you know, mm -hmm. like our, our, I kind of like, you know, our mentality is more punk rock and DIY for sure. Yeah. But I think we pull from a lot of different places in terms of like what our influences is just because like, you know, me and me and Craig are like the primary songwriters, but like our Venn diagram of like music that we have in common is kind of like Blink-182 is like the big one because mm -hmm. like. There's two singers. We both grew up listening to Blink. So, like, it's one of our favorite bands. But Craig is way more of, like, uh, Americana, folk, rock and roll guy. You know, I grew up more with, like, hardcore. And, like, mm. Bouncing Souls was one of my favorite bands. I grew up with a lot of the Epitaph, Fat World. But, you know, really love bands like LCD Sound System and, like, I don't know, like, Prince. You know, like everything. Like I grew up listening to so much different music, so I pull from a lot of that stuff because I I think that for a lot of punk rock bands and a lot of bands I like, a lot of bands that are way bigger than us, I think they've found a formula that works and people hone into. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like the Domino's Pizza. Like Domino's Pizza will always be big. Yeah, it doesn't make doesn't mean it's good. It, it doesn't say it's bad either. But mm -hmm. like. It's just it is what it is, and it's can it gets a mass market appeal. Where for me, I prefer something that is like a little bit more interesting, and you take more time with it. Daniel, our bass player, is way into like you know a lot of hardcore stuff and a lot more indie rock stuff. So when he writes stuff, he's pulling from there, and then our drummer Brandon is into like everything, you know. So it's it's like. We just pull from so many places that I think for us to just, you know, I think that's why it takes so long for us to put out records and put out music. Cause it's like, it's sure. not just when I write a song, I go over it so many times being like, 
is this too lazy? Is this too like, mm. I don't think this song can just be a straight up three chord punk song. Like I, I, it needs to be more interesting than that one for my attention span, but also mm. I just, you know, it depending on what the song is too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with writing a two minute punk rock song for sure, but we just don't crank those songs out like that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I always think we're more of a rock band for sure. Yeah. And I, the, the interesting thing to me is like, and I'm going to throw some names out there because it's stuff that I like, I feel like there's, there's these different lanes that are all just kind of offshoots of punk and hardcore for all of us. I love when people do this. Cause then people throw out names that have bands. I've never It's <laughs> even better. Uh, so like when I, when I listened to the record the first time I was like, I, I caught glimpses of stuff. And then the more I've listened, I hear like my gut instinct was like, I hear things like, uh, I, I hear things like the hold steady. I hear things like the replacements, but then I like, there's this lane of, of stuff that is definitely like punk. Definitely to me is punk rock, but still very much rock and roll. Like, uh, like white reaper, uh, Kaylee Macy, uh, Red City Radio, that sort of stuff that like is incorporating like, like yeah, we we love uh, we love a good Bob Mold riff, but we also really like a Tom Petty riff, <laughs> sort of thing. For sure, for sure, yeah. And yeah, like, I mean, Hold Steady is one that like me and Craig love Hold Steady. Daniel too. Like I think all of us really like Hold Steady. Um, so and, and like Hold Steady always like like when I made the band, I like looked at bands that had organ in it you know yes and like old said he has that and i love how it sounds on the record even if they don't have an organ player live for some of the shows yeah on record it sounds so good so i mean that's definitely one replacements i do love the replacements um sure. but for me that i'm a greatest hits with them that's all i need i need just the replacements greatest hits and i'm good i don't listen to their full discography i get but it they have some of the best songs i've ever heard you know, and it's like, yeah, it's like, I can totally see that for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just like fun, catchy rock songs, but they are punk adjacent, I would say, you know. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's where, I think that's where, for me, I look at the appeal of of what you guys do is the fact that like, it taps into all of the shit that I like. So right, it's right. like, you at the end of the day, Rebuilder writes very accessible music. And that's, the, I think that's so. a high compliment, <laughs> in my opinion. Do you feel it's accessible? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think so. I think I think that, you know, that's one thing to me. I mean, I think I would love to write a music. Uh, I would love to write an EP or a full length of inaccessible music, you know, like that would be so awesome. But I can't. Like, you know, there's been times where, like, like maybe we should write, like, a real fast, like, hardcore EP. That would be a lot of fun. And I feel like I'm just incapable of doing that. Yeah. Like, I sit down to write. I hear catchy melodies and, like, things here, you know. And I think that at some point, maybe I was, like, definitely on some of our early stuff, I was like, what can people, like, sing along to? And maybe I tried to push that a little bit too much into songs early on then i kind of like didn't worry about that but when if i hear a melody and i i you know can write a chorus and figure out what the chorus is of a song and then write everything else around that 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, is is there something in this that like when it comes out and people listen to you, will they gravitate towards this for a reason that the course is really easy or like it's sonically pleasing to the ear? Yes. You know, um, I always think of it like if I'm showing somebody my band who is not a punk rock fan, like someone's mom, right? If I was showing like someone's parents, like, oh, this is my band, like, would they like instantly turn it off? Or would they be like, oh, this is, you know, I can, there's something here that I like. Yep. Um, yeah. So I do like that we are an accessible band, but I do wish I could write inaccessible music. <laughs> I, I, I end up in this, like, I think you'll understand this, like in my brain, right? Like I've always wanted to be in a band that like it, cause in my head, I'm like, man, I'd love to be in a band. It sounds like Oasis or REM. Cause those yeah. are two of my favorite bands, right? Oasis is one of my favorite bands too. They're, they're one of Oasis. the best rock and roll bands that's ever existed. And fuck anyone who disagrees. Um, Dude, I saw a video of like, it was after like a soccer game. I forget where it is. And like, um, Noel Gallagher was at a bar and the whole entire bar after the team one is just singing. Don't look back in anger with, Noel in the bar and i was like this is one of the most beautiful moments yes witness if your music is able to do that in like other countries then like it is unreal you can't deny that no matter what you think of oasis you cannot deny that moment yeah like it's the it's the wonderwall thing like you know everybody's like anyway here's wonderwall you know why it's a cultural reference because it's an incredible fucking song that sort of like became a part of how how we view music. I, I'm sorry, like they're they're just. I'm so happy that you're you're a fan. Most yeah. guests that and come like, on here thing. are fans. <laughs> I mean, Oasis uh, Wonderwall is objectively an amazing song. The problem yeah. is, it's an amazing song when Liam and Noel are singing that song. The first time absolutely, you are like this song is incredible. Yep, when you hear fucking brad down the street play on his acoustic guitar backyard at the fucking smoke fire you're like this song blows yeah you're <laughs> fucking up oasis man <laughs> you're like i don't want to hear that song again <laughs> you know? it's uh I, like but you know like my mentality has always been like man i would love to do that but i always end up in bands that sound like same I am. And like the shit that like at the end of the day, it's always going to come, you know, like it's always going to come out the way it's going to come out. Yeah. No matter how much in your head you want it For to be. Sure. Something. Uh, For so sure. absolutely. Absolutely. So, so let's go back to how do you get to rebuilder? Like, how does, how does that, what's the path that leads to rebuilder forming as a band? Um. So it was interesting. I had another band that was called Dead Ellington. Uh, we weren't very good, but it was a band I did one of my best friends for a really long time, like probably right out of high school through college. Um, you know, I just sang in that band. I grew up playing drums. So that was like my main instrument is like, I've always been a drummer, but in this band, I just sang, I did no guitar enough to like write some of the songs, but my friend Jason was way better at guitar than I am. Brandon, who plays drums in Rebuilder, he played second guitar in that band, and he was he's very good at guitar. So I would always just show them my songs, and that's how I'd make songs. But Dead Ellington kind of came to an end in 2012 mm-hmm. at the end of the year. 
my friend Jason said he was moving to California. We couldn't do the band without him. Um, and it was kind of like a line was drawn in the sand of like, you can't do this band anymore without me. It's mm-hmm. fine. But I, I wanted to keep doing the band and I kind of had this golden ticket in my pocket that like, I didn't really tell anyone about, but what it basically was that like, um, due to me helping, uh, I, I've worked for like bands for like ever. And one of the bands I worked for was dropkick Murphy's. Oh, and Ken Casey had told me that my band could open up the next St. Patty's day because I did a favor where like, um, uh, it was when the hurricane hit the Rockaways and Dropkick was in Europe and they were like, oh, we need to send supplies to the Rockaways. They need like, mm-hmm. food, they need clothing, they need gas and stuff. And their other older merch guy, um, he was going to drive the Murphy van to New York full of supplies. And he was like, why don't we get your van, fill it full of supplies, and we'll both go together. Ken sent me a text thanking me for that. And he, had, I'd always asked if we could open every year and never happened. So he was like, you can open up next, next St. Patty's day. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But I knew that like there was tension in the band and it was maybe coming to an end. And when it did, I wasn't going to tell Ken, I don't have a band anymore. You know, I was just like, great. So January of 2013, I basically tell the rest of the guys, which was Brandon was supposed to move too. So I didn't, I didn't tell Brandon, but I basically told Craig and Daniel because Craig played drums in that iteration of dead Ellington. Daniel okay. That's enough. That, uh, so we can open up the St. Patrick's day dropkick show at house of blues in March. I have like six songs that we can do. We can do some Dentalington songs too, like maybe some of the ones I wrote. But like we got to get something going to make this happen. I'm I'm going to make this new band. It's going to be called Rebuilder. If you guys want to be a part of it, I was like, I'm not very good at guitar and singing, but like I'll figure it out. There's other people who aren't aren't good at guitar and singing, and they have a career. So like it's fine. <laughs> um, Craig was like, I don't want to play drums in that band. I'll play guitar. And I was like, even better. So um, Daniel kind of didn't even want to be a part of Dead Ellington anymore either. Cause it's like, it's hard to be a part of something where like you didn't write any of the music and you like didn't start at it from the beginning. He joined in like the last year of Dead Ellington. So um, he was like, yeah, that would be cool. I would do that because like he is going to be a part of it from the beginning and we make this thing together. Um, our friend Rick filled in on drums for the first EP that we recorded. He didn't want to be the drummer, but, um, he, he's, he plays drums and keys. So he was like, I'll play keys and drums on the record. And then I'll play some of like your local shows, but I don't really want to like be in this band as your, your drummer and tour. So we got enough songs to like do that St. Patrick's day show. And then I ran into a, a promoter, a friend of mine, this guy, Ryan Agate, who was booking out O'Brien's. And I told him, I was like, I have a new band. You have to book us. And he was like, well, I have one show coming up. I forget. It was like March something. I was like, well, that's the day before we're playing house of blues with uh, the drop kicks. I was like, that show sold out. So like we can, t- we can do another show. And he was like, yeah, if you want to play this show, 
you can do that the day before. And I was like, that would be great. Cause then we can kind of like do that as a practice and like, see what this band is. We have no idea. Even things of like, where should we stand on stage? Am I standing mm. in the middle or am I not standing in the middle? Like what is happening? You know? So we did that show. It was like nobody there. And then the next night we played to a sold out crowd at house of blues. Brandon came as like my like guitar tech. And I had him play some songs on guitar. Like some of the Delican songs we did. I was like, you should play guitar in those. Cause I'm not very good at guitar on those. And he did. Then that, that may, uh, we got on, uh, the dead milkman show at the Sinclair in Cambridge. Cause I, I, milkman's one of my favorite bands ever. And when I was touring with Boston's as their merch guy, I, we were in Philly. I reached out to Rodney anonymous and I was like, Hey man, like I know you guys toured with Boston's back in the day. I don't know if you're coming to the show but I'm like a huge dead Milkman fan. I would love to meet you. And he was like, I'm not coming to the show, but like, we want to like grab a drink after or whatever we can. We met up like the next day and we just like hung out and he told me like dead Milkman stories. So like, I, I think I asked him, I was like, Hey man, I have a band now. Like, can we open for you in Boston? He was like, yeah, totally. And like, we got on that show. Um, and then that was around the time of Pooza Fest happening in Montreal. So I wanted to do like a small run of shows. Rick, uh, was like, I can't play drums on there. So I asked Brandon if he would play drums on it because I knew he he played drums in another band a way long time ago, but I was like, he's, he's good enough in drums to play. Now he's phenomenal because we've been doing this so long. But he jumped in to play drums and, you know, I was like, are you are you going to move to California or are you not moving to California? Because like he hadn't moved yet. Jason and from Delington hadn't moved yet. And Brandon was like, I, I don't know. I don't know what really what's going on, but um, I mean, while I'm here, like I'll, I'll play, I'll play in rebuilder. I was like, great. And you know, the four of us kind of want, like really liked this lineup. Um, Rick, even though he didn't want to play drums in the band, ended up touring with us playing keys because he's like i never he's like i've never toured in a band playing keys even though i don't want to be the drummer in this band i'll join as the keyboard player so the first like two or three years we had rick as our keyboard player before he moved away but it kind of was really just the core four of us like at that point and then that's been the band all the way through you know like that's kind of been the core of the band it's like the four of us and yeah you know we had already played that band together so we kind of already knew each other but you know we learned things along the way that's why like the first tp doesn't really have a lot of craig singing because i was like i don't know if craig's gonna sing in this band like mm. you know this yeah. is my band i made this band i'm playing guitar and singing because i don't i i'm, I'm already burnt out from dealing with having to rely on other people to make my band, you know? And that's why I was like, this is my band. I have these six songs. This is what we're doing. By the time we get to like making rock and roll in America, Craig starts bringing songs to the table. Okay. He's singing, you know? And he was like, he was like, well, I think I should sing the song. I mean, I think I wrote it. I remember having like a hard time with that being like, I don't know. I, I was like, I mean, I'm the singer in this band and like, yeah. you know, like what if you leave, like what happens, you know? And I was just like, always fearful of like that. But 
the more and more we started writing, like there was one, like lukewarm was a song that he like sent a, like his demo of. He was like, I have this song. It's definitely more of like an Americana song. I don't think it'll fit in rebuilder. And I was like, this song's so good, dude. I was like, we have to play this song. We like, I love this song, you know? And I, I just love the songs that he writes. And then like, we harmonized all over the place. Cause I was like, well, you know, it is your song, but like, I want to sing on it. And like, we harmonized really good together. And I think I basically, I, you know, eventually got to a point after we'd been writing so many songs and after, you know, me trying to be very stubborn about it. I think I eventually got to a point where I was like, there will be songs that it's Craig will sing in this band. Like Craig is the other singer in this band. We will sing on each other's songs. It will make it better because we complement each other really well. And I think once we got to that point, you know, when we got to Mass Turnpike, it's like that is a solidified thing, you know? And yeah. that is, at that point, that was the most comprehensive record of like, this is what this band sounds like. You know, they, sure. they have songs that are separate songs, but they will harmonize together. There was someone who will be the inadvertently be the lead on it, but that's just what it is. And I think that's why that's like, you know, we looked at the list and we're like, well, this is a Sal song. This is a Craig song. This is a together song pretty much for almost the whole thing. And we write parts for each other too. Like when I, like even on this new record, on the record, like Broke Downs is a song where I sing every. Okay. But as we started playing that live, I was like, you should sing this part. You should sing this part. This is way too much for me to sing on my own. Yeah. I'm running out of breath. I'm running, you know, I'm running out of steam here and it just helps to like separate that. So yeah. So when we get to the latest record, you know, there's two, there's really Craig only had really has two uh, songs on it. That are his songs that he wrote, but his vocals are all over the record. And I think that that's kind of like the thing that makes our band and our sound. Like people always say, you guys sing really well. Your harmonies are really well. And I'm always like, well, we're not, we're not amazing guitar players. So this is like what we have, you know, it works. <laughs> it works. These guys sound incredible together. It does work. <laughs> um, it was, it was, you've heard this, I'm sure a million times, but so I'm watching clerks three and this fucking song comes on <laughs> that like, it's rare that I'm like stopped in my tracks on a in a song a, a song from a movie, right? The Grand Fromage. When that song, where it's placed in the movie, the way the way the song plays out, oh my god! It, I was just fucking blown away. So I had to go find it, right? I'm like, what is this? Who is yeah, this yeah. fucking band? Why have I never heard this? I have to go find this, and. To know then, like when when Casey announced you guys had signed, I was like, "Oh wait, for real? Like the fucking <laughs> that band that I went and sought out and listened to that song eight million times? This is incredible news for me." <laughs> That's so funny. I'm sure, I'm sure that you've heard this a lot, but like, man, going from like my band broke up, I'm throwing a band together to open for the, the Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> On St. Patty's Day, opening for the Dead Milkmen on the Clerks Three set, like 
you've had a really like blessed for lack of a better word, blessed trajectory on this. So I, I it's weird, but I don't see it that way. Really? It's, it, it's, it's really strange, but I, I, I don't see it that way. Um, and I don't want it to come off as if I'm not thankful for the things that we, no, 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 I no. am completely, completely thankful for the things we have done. However, I've been playing music my whole entire life, you know, like since I was a child, I played drums, tried to make bands in Framingham, Massachusetts. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't make bands in Framingham. Not a lot of punk rock bands in Framingham. There was some, but they were older than me and I didn't know them. So like, you know, going to shows, I loved it. I started selling merch for bands just so I could be there and not have to pay to get in all the time. And like, you know, it was just like, I've loved it for so long. And, you know, I went to, I went to college for music. I have a degree in music business Mm. everything I've done. I do with my life is music. And I felt like I've worked so hard. And in dead Ellington, all I saw was us never getting a chance. We never toured with anyone. We never got a booking agent. We never got any of these things ever, ever. And I just worked so hard to try to get anything. Rebuilder comes around. And I basically am like cashing in some of my favors, just like asking any of my friends who are in big bands. Like I'd work for Boston's at that point. And I was like, can we do the throwdown? Yeah, 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 we can do the throwdown. You know, you know, we've known you for a long time. You help us out. You can do the throwdown. I'm asking Josh Smith, who works for Bowery, who is one of my really good friends, being like, do you have anything coming up that we can open? Yeah. Like, I was like, can we open Dead Milkman? Dead Milkman's your show. Yes, you can do the Dead Milkman show. You know, uh, emailing Fest, being like, I have this band. Can we come down and play? And they're like, you can play Sunday morning on our on your first Fest. And I was like, yes, we'll do it. So I felt like we were never at, and we still aren't we're st- like we still don't have a booking agent you know we still like and i'm not i'm not uh, we don't need a manager but like we've never been approached for someone being like i want to manage you guys and i feel yeah. like all these things kind of happen with these like young bands that don't know any better so like i think record labels and all these like managers and agents will approach a young band cuz they're like what well, they don't know any better and they're growing let's see if we can blow this up that never happen with us and i think now that we're year 10 we actually get looked at by those people that's like well they've been around for 10 years and like right. not they didn't blow up to the biggest band so I, I moved on you know and i don't think you know and i it too is that like we're so hands-on our band and we've been able to like make this happen that i think people are like uh it's almost like we know too much you know like they can't oh, yeah. us. we can't we you know with you know and like like we just did some Frank Turner dates and Streetlight Manifesto dates. And people are like, that is insane. And it is, it's, it's crazy that we got those shows. Those were some of the best shows we've ever played. And people would be like, did they just ask you? And I'm like, no, man, I asked, you gotta ask, you have to ask, you have to hustle. You have to ask even the people that have booking agents, their agents are asking for them. It's like, you know, I'm asking, I'm, I, I remember, when Diarrhea Planet came out, who is one of my favorite bands ever, I bought their record, looked on the liner notes to see who were in the thank yous and saw that, um, I forget his name, but uh, oh, it was like John Prime, not the John Prime, but it's a different John Prime. But it was like yeah. in the thank yous on both this record and this other record, 
and found that that was their booking agent, emailed their booking agent, was like, dude, I want, I'm trying to do a show in Florida on Halloween. We're going to fest. You guys are going to fest too. Can we do a show together? I have a promoter who has the room to do a show. We're not worth anybody. We are brand new, but I love this band so much. And can we do some shows on the way home? And he was like, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that the band wants to do a Halloween show. Let me ask. So like, yes, they want to do a Halloween show. Please connect me to that promoter. Now we're opening for Diarrhea Planet. And he got us on the show on the way home. He's like, can't pay you any money though. I was like, it's fine. I will just play and like, it's better to not compete with diarrhea planet show in North Carolina. Yeah. So we'll just play it. And then we got there and the promoter at the show was like, Hey, John was able to get some money for you guys. So here's like 200 bucks or something. And I was like, great. All of this has been from like working hard. I, but I would love, I would welcome with open arms, a booking agent or someone who was like, I believe in you guys. I want to fucking help you guys play even bigger shows and do all these things. I would fucking love it. Um, it's just, it just never happened. I mean, even the clerks thing, right? Like the clerks thing is amazing. I love that we got that. And that was because Kevin Smith tweeted out. Um, He's like, I'm looking for music for Clerks 3. I did this with Mall Rats finding like smaller bands and I really yeah. enjoyed it. Um, send me some music. And a friend of mine sent me that that tweet. And me just being like the fucking smart ass that I am from like the band account responded back and I was like, Well, here's a song where the chorus is anything's better than New Jersey with like a link to it. And I did that because like I was like, clearly he'll never use this song. Like we are like the band that shouldn't be on a Jersey soundtrack, you know, like when that song first came out on rock and roll in America, I remember people from Jersey, like we were on a Jersey label, a Jersey label, put that out. It's it's I, and we didn't like me and Craig didn't write that song. Daniel wrote that song. And it was about like a show that we had our first tour. We had a show in Atlantic city that was just terrible. Um, and Daniel wrote that song. So he brought it to the table. We reworked it, made it into like a proper like song. And yeah. it just ends up being like one of the most popular ones. But I remember getting emails from people in Jersey being like, you know, I'm from here. I don't really appreciate the song. Like, you know, fuck that. Jersey is great. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it could have been anywhere, man. It doesn't. Right. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. You know? And then people from Jersey would be like, man, I love listening to that song. Like I don't live in Jersey anymore. And like, I had to get out of Jersey, but like, I still love Jersey and I love that song. So when I got the call on Monday from Kevin, from Kevin's like one of some, someone in Kevin's uh, world, they were like, Kevin really likes the song. He wants to use it in the movie. I was like, this has got to be a joke this is so insane that like, this is the song that they want to use in the movie. And, I, and there was like no real context about anything too. So I said, I like, I was like, yeah, I would love for you guys to use the movie, like send me over the contract. And like, yeah, I remember we got, we got the contract and you know, um, I'm like looking at it. I understand it. And I'm like, okay, this all makes sense. This is my, my, uh, music business major coming into play that I can understand this contract. However, it's bullshit because if I don't get an entertainment lawyer to look at it, I'd still, I'd be a fucking idiot. You right. know? So like, 
it just shows you shouldn't go to fucking music school. It's fucking bullshit. And I should have just dropped out. But I did. Um, but like, you know, I, I, I hit up, um, this entertainment lawyer that lives in Jersey, who uh, this guy Henderson, that a lot of people use. I've never met him in real life, but on the internet, we're friends. I sent him a message. He was like, love to look at that contract. I live right down the street from Quick Stop. That would be amazing. Grew up with those movies. Looked at the contract. He was like, yeah, they're not giving you a lot of money. It seems like it's a small budget film anyway. Uh, but let's ask them to like double it. They won't agree to that. They'll give you half they'll meet in the middle you owe me some money and you make just a little bit extra money but it'll be a really cool thing for you guys and sure it's like great you know um so we agreed to it uh the paperwork just said something like uh song plays in hospital scene and i was like okay that's all i know you know so then the movie comes out on Kevin Smith's tour where he's like showing it in theaters. And the, I think yeah. one of the first places ever was uh, Portland, Maine. Daniel, our bass player, lives in Portland, Maine. So he buys a ticket. He goes. And then in the group chat, he's like, boys, it is not a snippet of the song. It is the whole fucking yes, song. Yes, it is. Man. He's like, it is, it is a part of the movie. And I was like, oh, man. And he was like, you have to see this. And when it came to the theater, me and a bunch of my friends, I was like, we got to go see this movie. And we went and saw the movie. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. I mean, that part oh. played. And I was like, this is unreal. I was like, this is this is the height of the movie. Yes. Our whole entire song is playing in this. Yep. They even made the bridge longer to make it fit the whole scene. I was watching that and I was like, this is amazing, but we definitely should have gotten way more money than this. If it's, like, <laughs> it's like the whole scene of the movie, but you know, it was like, you know, we, you know, we had had the music video for forever. It was always on YouTube. And all of a sudden people are finding the song on YouTube and commenting yeah. and being like, I'm here. Cause of clerks three I'm here. Cause of clerks three. And I was like, this is awesome. This is crazy. We're now being exposed to an audience that of people that probably have never, that aren't in our, our punk circle yeah. are just hearing yeah. this song. You know, I, and I, I love the movie. I thought it was great. It's definitely just like a throwback nostalgia to everything in Clerks. Absolutely. Um, and me and Brandon were like, this is so Where Daniel and Craig are like six years younger than us. And they were just like, I've never seen any Clerks movie. I have no idea what this fucking movie is about. <laughs> and it's just cool that our songs in the movie, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, even then, even, even, even then, like with that, it was just us, like all like me negotiating, like our terms, figuring it out and getting it. And I'm glad that we're able to do that. I'm glad we're smart enough band to do that and it reminds me of like when i talked to kate who used to manage the bouncing souls about the souls getting in the super bowl commercial yeah or i think it's like <laughs> pepsi and they, they used like um i like your mom or something like that and i remember asking kate about that because there was like some people being like oh these fucking sellouts and some people were like no it's epitaph that gave him the song and stuff like that and kate was like dude we got a huge payday and that is on their early records. That is not on epitaph. We own that record. So yeah. we got all the money for it. Like it's fucking great. And I was like, that's awesome. You know? And like, it's things like that. That's like, it really helps to like know your shit and just do it DIY because like yep. 
you know, then you reap the benefits way more. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and like, and again, I'm grateful for everything that's happened. Yes. No, no, no. Yeah. In in my career, I always look at it. uh, Like even now I'm just like, all right, we've played, we played a show in LA at the wilderness with streetlight manifesto. This may never happen again, but God damn it. I do want it to happen again. And I want to play whatever's bigger than that. You know, like I want to keep just leveling up every time, you know? Yeah. And that, and the thing is like those, to those blessed moments, so to speak, those, those moments, uh, those fortuitous moments to your point, they didn't come. They didn't just materialize out of thin air. That hustle that is, that is embedded in all of us because of hardcore and punk rock is what helps bands level up. It's the thing that helps a band take the next step because you get your ass kicked for so long, you learn a lot from those beatings, you know? And right, right. It, 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 you apply each of those rules to get more condensed, smarter, faster. What's the quickest way from point A to point B? And no one ever thinks about that if they're not directly affected by it, you know? Like, unless you've been in a band that's had to do that, you, you won't know that that's how it works. Which is one of the interesting things that, you know, and I'm definitely going to sound like I'm just like a fucking old man screaming at the sky at this point. But like, um, (laughs) you know, when I was a teenager going to punk shows and like, I was like, this show's at a VFW hall. Like, there's a VFW hall near me. How can I do a show in Framingham? I went down to the VFW hall. You know, I was like, who do I talk to? Can I can I rent the room upstairs to do a show, do a concert? How many people are gonna have? I don't know, probably a hundred. Cool. It'll be this price. All right. So now I know I need to like save up this money to do this. And like I remember emailing, you know, bands from like New York and stuff, being like, Do you want to play my show? I'm putting on this show and framing a mass, telling all my friends about it and getting as many people to come out. And like, you know, I, maybe I set up like five or six, but like it made me want to do something. Cause I was like, these bands are so good. I want them to come back. I want them to get bigger. Yep. How is this band not the biggest band in the world, you know? And it's that drive that like from that, that I learned how to hustle, how to do these things that has always put me in a better place to like, be like, all right, well, if we want to try to do this, we, you know, we have to work for it. We have to do this stuff. Yeah. But I see that, you know, it feels like the tide changes or maybe I'm just too old to see it. But, you know, one, I don't see a lot of um, young kids making bands that much anymore. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's just not in the amount that it happened when I was in high school. And when I was in high school, everybody wanted to be in the band. Now, you know, a lot, I think a lot of kids maybe don't see rock music. Like, like I call it just like guitar music. They don't see guitar music as like a popular thing. You know, um, they more like, are like, probably want to be influencers and they use social media and want to do, you know, their own channels on YouTube and stuff like that. And that is all great. And that's cool. But like in that being popular, this music scene has died off a lot more, you know? And I, I, you know, I saw there's a band that we played with recently that 
I saw that like they're like a young band and they already had like right from the get-go had like in-ear monitors built built in on stage. And I was like, damn, like right away, like that's crazy. Like right away. Yeah. Like I was like, they must like like to I guess they're not ever playing any like basements or not doing any house shows. Like, how are you supposed to do that with that? I mean, I guess maybe you can. I don't know. I don't use any, but like it was just so strange to see like right off yeah. the bat. And then they played a huge show. And I remember, you know, um, the singer of like who they opened for went and thanked them. And they were just, oh, and they were just like, or like, oh, yeah, fine. Like they didn't care that they were on the show because like their agent got them on the show. One, they already have a booking agent, but their agent got them on the show. They left before the show was over because they were like, well, it's getting like we already sold enough merch. We already played. We're out of here, you know. I remember I was like, damn, I was like, it just was not like that. Like, you know, like I remember like if someone left your show when you were like, you know, playing a show, like growing up, people were like, fuck that band. They just left. Right. Fuck that. Yeah. You know, like it's kind of like a dickhead thing to do is just that they, that they left the show. And there, I mean, granted there, this was a, a bigger show that they were playing, but it just, it, it's such a weird thing, you know? And like, I've worked so many shows that I, I, I see a lot of forms of it. And there was like another one I did that it was like, it was like a young, young band. And there was a huge, huge console in the room. And there's never really a big console off to the side on the stage here. And I was like, that's interesting. Why would they have such a big console? Like there's already a front of house here. They wouldn't need to bring in more. And then when they started playing, I completely understood what was happening. Yeah. What the audience was hearing was backing tracks. Like they're hearing guitar, they're hearing bass, hearing all this. But I bet anything that the kid that was playing on stage in their in-ear monitors, they were hearing themselves play because they're not very good at their instrument. Gotcha. And I was like, just let people not be good at their instrument, man. Just yeah. like, this yep. is how we get better. Like you play and you suck and you suck for so long. And then, you know, like by you playing with these people long enough, it starts to work. It starts to make sense. But in the music industry where we are now, we're such in this place where, you know, these labels and like A&R people are just looking for things to blow up really quick. And then we're moving on. You know, like if it doesn't happen right away, we're moving on. There's no more development in it. They don't have time to wait for this 16-year-old to become 21 and super good at guitar. You know, like by the time that kid's 21, this career is long gone. Yeah. And it's such a weird way to see that this hap- this happening. And I mean, and there's just waves of things that happen, you know. And we wouldn't be playing, like I wouldn't be playing punk music right now if it wasn't for, you know, the pop punk wave that happened in like the yep. late nineties and two thousands, you know, because yep. it became commercialized because it became good. It made people like me want to play something yeah. and do it. But you know, that time maybe has gone and it comes back in waves and popularity, but I don't think it's been as big as it was back then. Right. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's, it's just strange. It's, it's weird to see that, you know, that I feel like, at times you don't let these kids just be kids, just let them play music, you know, let them, yeah. suck. let them, <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot of it too does stem from the fact that cause kids don't start bands and 
I mean, they do because we do see bands that form, but like in, in comparison, like when you were younger, when I was younger, everybody was trying to start a band. It's not the case anymore. I think, I think technology has a lot to do with that. I think how we've developed socially through social media has, has impacted that, but it, it does. Yeah. You're 100% right. It does not allow a young artist to just get out there and fuck up and and play some shitty shows and get some bumps and bruises to make them better players and make them better artists right. in general. And yeah, it, yeah, it, for it, sure. And the thing is, like, I think everybody's so prone to blame a generation of young people for that when all reality is just the shit they were handed. And so, right, for sure, it, it, for it's sure. what you're evolving it basically. I I think the unfortunate thing is that we we almost don't let the popular things like the, the what kids want to do just like discover themselves like we almost don't let that happen because right. like you know these the industry has like figures out like okay like even when at the end of like grunge right so like grunge sure. music was really popular and they were like all right cool we signed all of these huge, all of these artists and all of them are kind of getting big. Like we signed Soundgarden, we signed Nirvana, we signed Sonic Youth, the Melvins, we signed all of these things, right? And like, what happened? They're like, all right, well, they're kind of hitting their 20s and they're doing too much drugs because they have too much money and they're dying, right? And like, the A&R and label people didn't want to deal with these acts anymore. They're like, they're they're, they're too artistic. They, 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 they they don't understand this and they you know like we've given them mo- their money they don't understand how this works it, it's a whole pain in the ass to deal with these bands so why don't we shift and find young kids that are young enough that we can make them pop singers so let's focus on pop music now so yeah. now pop music becomes big and there's no longer bands it's just solo artists right and everyone latches on because that's what they're putting all their money behind and they're pushing it to the front right and it's it's just like okay it's like well now that they're done with that, it's like, what you know? What is filling the radio waves now? I don't listen to radio, right. but obviously people do because it still exists. It's now okay. Whatever is trending on TikTok now is yes. what is on the radio. So now yep. TikTok is controlling what is on the radio, and because yep. record labels have seen, you know, the industry has seen these trends and being like, okay, that is that is what we have to focus all of our attention on. And it's just like, you know, it, it's not, and I understand it's a business. They need to make money. They're all trying to, how to make money, but it's almost like they don't just let it happen. I wish that the, the palette was just like, you know, like as much as like people get pushed, like Taylor Swift's music in their face everywhere. Right. Yeah. Like, what if this person over here got the same airtime that this person did? Yep. Just let them make a choice or they don't even have to make a choice. They just have two people they like now instead of just one, right? you know? Right. Um, and, and yeah, yeah. It, and I just, I, I feel like, like we maybe sometimes can convince like kids are convinced that they're like making up their own like decisions of what they like, but they're just falling into the, they're falling into the trap. The trap has been set. Right, they fell into it, and they're like, "I love this artist." Now it's like, "Well, you only like them because you were supposed to like them. You are designed to like them." I don't know if you've uh, did you read the sellout book 
Oh yeah, Dan Ozzy's book. He wrote. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I listened to the audio book because uh, I, I just I don't read books anymore. So did I, I dude. To I, but, <laughs> there's no shame yeah, here, man. <laughs> but when they got to the Blink 182 and like Green Day part, and they were like, they're like, you know, yeah, Blink was like aligned with like uh, Billabong, and they got you know they went to Billabong, and they're like, we we want to like we we want to wear your clothes, and you're gonna pay us to wear wear your clothes. And all everyone's gonna start wearing. They were like, they're like, why would people wear your clothes just because this band's gonna wear it? And they're like, trust right. us, it's gonna work out. They worked it, and then they were like, you know, the record labels positioned Blink ads to be at PacSun and on the Warp Tour and all this. And I, I heard all that, and I was like, I fell right into that trap. Oh, we all did, I, dude. Like, Are you, you know, kidding? We all did. There's, no, I was like, I, you know, I, I must have like, I'm sure I heard Blinken was like, I discovered this new fucking underground band that's that like no one knows about, and I told everybody about it, and everyone knew about it, and it's just like, you know, it's it really is this industry. They they have figured this out. They know how to throw so much money at this thing yeah. and just tr- set these traps. And I'm victim to it too. But yeah. I, maybe just because I'm older, I see it and I understand it more happening. And I'm just like, these motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I like, look, man, I Green Day, when when the video for Longview came out, I think that was the one. Yeah, the, the, the yep. first one. Yeah. And I remember seeing it on one of those things on MTV. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is for me like yeah because mtv told me i'm supposed to like right. it right and i think what what was that was that was the video that it was like originally like in black and white or something it might be it was the one in the apartment uh where he like tears up the couch and shit oh yeah 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 or a basket case i think was the one that it was supposed to be black and white and then, and they, then they did the colorizing yeah they colorizing to it and they're like this is going to like pop out of all the other videos and it did i watched it on yeah. MTV. I, I fell it. for it fell for it yeah, all of this it changed my life. It made me want to make music. If I had never listened to that, I might be a millionaire. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I I think about like I think about how it fucked me up to hear like now I look at like what discovering bands like Nirvana did to me <laughs> and like yeah. Smashing Pumpkins and Dinosaur Junior and all that. Because then it led to me discovering Minor Threat and Husker Du right, and the Descendants, right. which then leads me to everything else, which is how the fuck I end up at 44 years old still playing in. <laughs> and that is the thing. That is the thing. When you look at it, right? Yeah. Discord, Minor Threat, Fugazi is the only orga- organic example of music industry. It is the Absolutely. only organic one. They yep. were not owned by any large corporations it is all run by the band it's the most diy thing that exploded all because it was so fucking good and the community was there it still exists to this day it is the only example that you can find of a complete organic yes thing that became huge and massive that yep. it wasn't made to influence other people it was like nope. if if this is your world you can come here and this is for you but is the only example of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so to kind of, as we, as we wind this down, I wanted to and talk a little bit more about local support uh, as it pertains to rebuilder and being a part of the Boston scene that is historic. <laughs> and, and I think about so much music in my early twenties that was 
from Boston that has been with me the rest of my life. Um, to put this record out and the title now, I like now the title holds so much more weight for me hearing you tell these stories. But yeah, how does it feel to put a record like this out and know like and and then you know be a part of the legacy of great punk and hardcore and post hardcore in Boston? Is there some weight or pressure that comes with that? I I, I mean I just I just hope it, I just hope it holds any weight. To be honest, it's one of those things where I just, you know, I we, we called it local support. Like we were coming up with titles and I was like, I, I think we should call it record local support almost like as a joke. But it was, you know, we're, we can be very tongue and cheeky about shit because yeah. like that's my personality. But, you know, I was like, it's I was like, well, it's funny because like, you know, we've gotten on really cool shows. We never get off for the tour with those bands they don't offer us the tour but they'll always offer us the local support slot so we've yeah. always been like that band so it was like okay like that plays into there also like we care so much about this music scene in our community here that like limited local support is like uh you know an homage to the boston music scene i've always said that people always look at new york for music and attribute like you know the beginnings of punk there in LA, mm-hmm. those are the big ones. But like Boston gets completely overlooked when we had some of the greatest bands come out of here from like yeah. not just from punk. I mean, you had like, you know, like regardless of what people think, but like Aerosmith, Jay yes. Giles band, Boston, those are all bands that became fucking massive. <laughs> and I think it is so sad that this city has allowed that to be like forgotten. There is nothing you can't come here and see that there's any remnants that those bands came from. Right. You know, like I don't understand how like there isn't just a fucking mural all over the place, all over the city of being like, look at all these fucking great bands that came right. and we're gonna protect music here, you know? It's the the when when our music scene has thrived, it's because whoever owned the real estate wanted music to be here and Mm. when the music scene starts to suffer it's because those people died and the music and like the building has now gone to a developer who has no inkling of making music stay here or they just sold it you know which like you can't blame there's like dudes in their like 80s or like whatever being like i don't want to i don't want to own a music venue anymore right why is it up to them to like decide like if the vent if if our music scene stays or not it sucks yeah. that that yeah. is what it comes down to you know and i yeah, i said this on on another podcast i was on i think one of the things that is like the ugliest thing about this city is that we have berkeley and we have northeastern which are two huge colleges here that have yeah. so much money and as someone who went to berkeley they don't put a penny into this music scene in any way. I don't understand how there isn't like five venues in town that are Berkeley owned that operate just as any regular venue would from small to big, you know, like, and maybe like they're in a partnership with AG or live nation for the big ones so that they can run just as all the other venues do. But how come they don't own like, you know, like four venues that are like the size of the middle East and just be like, well, yeah, like one, this is so bands can play here. And there's right. always 
always venues. How come there's not rehearsal spaces that they own that aren't going to get demolished and become condos because they own them and they can use them for their students, but the community can use them and can rent them and they can make money off of them and do all that. They don't do any of that in any way, but yet they take up such a huge uh, footprint in Boston and they can say, we're like the most prestigious music school. You do nothing at all to help this community in any way. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy for the independent promoters here that have, you know, there's no money in being an independent promoter. You can't make a living off of it. Um, or, and if you do, you're working way too fucking hard. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, I, I appreciate the people that do that because like, you know, I always said, if it wasn't for Ryan running O'Brien's, we wouldn't have had all these cool bands coming to town. Like, you know, Iron Sheik, Underground Railroad to Candyland, and Toys That Kill, all yeah. these bands. You know, even one of my favorite bands, Rocket from the Crypt, Josh Smith at Bowery brought them to Sinclair, and I got to see them there. It's, you know, it's all these people that grew up loving this music that bring the music here. And all of those shows, they're like, we want locals on them because, like, local bands like this is how these bands grow you know they get to open up for these bands and become bigger and bigger yeah and you know we we were lucky that we got to open up for a lot of big bands and a lot of people know us here you know when we just did our sinclair show it holds 500 people and i think with comps and everything we had 400 us choke up no trigger and this young band i put on it called trash rabbit um and it was awesome and, you know, I, 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 I wish we were a band that like, we could just announce a Sinclair show tomorrow and it would sell out immediately. Yeah. Like, let's do that and put like fucking seven bands on it. that are all young bands that nobody knows about. And let's make yep. it an all day thing and just have it be a thing. I wish we could do that. And I'll keep working to try to become that. Right. Um, because I, I love being from here. I mean, it's, it, you know, and I think that, there's a lot of great bands from here and they just never made it big. Me and Harley from choke up were like, which like choke up is one of my favorite bands. I love that band so much. Yeah. Um, but when we, were, when we were driving the fest, Harley was like, Oh, you've never heard of this band. You got it. You got to check them out. They had one, one demo out or one EP out. Had some <laughs> of the best songs you've ever heard. I remember hearing that and being like, man, these band these bands are so good. And like, yeah, and I think back to these bands that I like so much, even during that like early punk time of like kicked in the head, Big D and the Kids Table, Drexel, Mission 120, yep. the sellouts, like all these bands were awesome. And they were big here, but they didn't really make it huge everywhere else. Right, right. And I think yeah. that's one of the issues with bands here is that like when they don't blow out here, kind of they kind of just break up and just goes away. But you know their music just like lives on. I, I mean, I still have their CDs and I've ripped them to my laptop so I can still yeah. listen to them. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love the music here, man. I, I think, I think we have one of the best scenes and I think I'm so happy to be a part of it because I just do love this city so much. I just wish that this city loved us back and the music that happens here back because I don't, I don't even think they're even aware. There's like, this this city has a um a grant for uh the arts and i think they do Ooh. it every year it, it's like an independent foundation that works with with the boston foundation and 
I have applied for this grant. They give you like $5,000 to like $7,000, depending on what your project is. Yeah. And I remember um, I applied for it the first year, like almost at the beginning of us being a band, I applied, I think the first time and being like, we're working on this. This is what we're doing. We're this type yeah. of band. Didn't get it. Then like I tried again, didn't get it. Then like the third year I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to one of like the workshop meetings that they do and like talk to someone there. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. I don't know. Talk to someone there. They're like, oh, you should focus more on this or your application. Do this. All right, cool. Met people there. They're all really nice. I yeah. didn't get it. Then like the next year after that, I remember I didn't get it. And I was so surprised because I was like, how did, how did this idea and this project not matter to them? And I sent an email. The person called me back. They were like, well, this is what we felt with this. Since you didn't get it this year, but would you be open to being a judge for other people's projects? And I was like, sure. And I was a judge on the projects. And I had to judge all these projects that came by. And I remember looking at them and being like, this is such dog shit. Like these yeah. things like aren't even caring about our city and our scene. There's no representation of punk bands in our in in any of these applications or anything. And I I remember judging them. You know, I judged them, whatever. And a lot of those things got funded. Then I tried the year later and I was like, I mean, I have to get it this year, right? Like, right. I mean, right. I, I was I was a judge. I looked at what 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 the ones that did get it, how they got it, and everything. And I submitted again. And it was like such a strong application. And I didn't get it again. I, and the thing is like, there's even like a first round where you talk to somebody if they're like, um, if they're even considering it and it never even made it there. And I was like, yeah, I was like, this city just completely just ignores this amazing thing that we have here. Like completely yeah. ignores it. Um, where it came back around, I was like, I was like, I, I was like, I don't know if I can even try for this anymore because like, no. I just don't think they will ever care, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, so uh, yeah, I, and and you know, I, it made me even want to be like, is there any way that I can make a foundation? Is there enough? Is do I have enough resources and people that I can pull from? Can I raise money every year and even give like two grand out to? 10 artists every year that yep. I feel in our scene that deserves it. And can I make something like that? And I, I still think about that. I want to do that. But again, these are the things that I think about doing and I think about wanting to make. And I'm like, I don't know if other people think about doing these things, you know? Um, Sal, I'm going to have to have you back on at some point here. The next time you guys, anytime plugging, you and I could go forever. Uh, <laughs> I talk way too much. No, 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 man. I enjoyed this. Uh, before uh, uh for, to close it out tell everybody where they can find rebuilder online we're rebuilder boston on like everything so instagram it's rebuilder boston uh spotify it might even be rebuilder boston or just rebuilder um our bandcamp is rebuilderboston.bandcamp.com all of our music is there but also all of our merch is there so if you want to buy a record or t-shirts or any of that stuff all that stuff is there um, I'm usually really lazy to fulfill it, but I eventually do get to it within a week or so. Um, I just have a stash of like stuff on top of my table. That's like, this needs to be shipped out. That's probably yeah. what I'm going to do right after this. I have three orders that came in during fest 
and I'm going to ship them out today. I promise. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Rebuilder Boston on everything. And then my, my own personal one is Sal Ellington on Instagram, where if you want to see a lot of dumb bullshit, it's just Sal Ellington on Instagram. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, the band is Rebuilder. The album Local Support is available now on Iodine Recordings, streaming everywhere. Uh, Rebuilder Boston, find them everywhere on social media. Buy the LP, buy a t shirt, support this band, support your local scene, support, support punk rock because we're the only ones that are going to keep it alive. Uh, Sal. Dude, this was great. I'm gonna we'll wrap this up and then I wanna say goodbye to you off mic. But uh yeah, thank yeah, you. Sure. Thank you for coming on the show, dude. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. It's great. Yep. We'll talk to everybody next week. Why did we ever meet? Tell it to my face, don't wanna read it. In the dirt sheet.